Hi, this is Giuseppe. Hi, this is Anthony. And you're listening to For the Love of Sophia. A philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. for part two and we're gonna continue this conversation ultimately about the value of, of work and the role of work in life but we ended the last episode where we saw that this topic intersected with some what do you want to call it like p- political economy right social yeah. political yeah. economic issues um, and so we were having this uh, discussion about whether or not certain properties were intrinsic to a capitalistic economic system, what those properties were, Mm -hmm. and what the consequences of their being present or or not would be, right? Yeah, absolutely. And specifically, I think what I I was saying is that I've never seen in in his historical forms, or by historical forms, I mean, you know, not just the ideal... Uh, of of what a concept is, right? Not the ideal capitalism the way you read it in a book, right? But rather, in practice, what it has become. And I was saying that I've never seen uh, capitalism realized, again, historically materialized, without those incidental things that you were mentioning, right? Mm. There's for power, there's for money, and the wrong priorities in place, so to speak. Okay. Generally, as a society, right? There might be individual exceptions, but as societies goes seems to be the case and so i think we should make it clear maybe that's what i'm thinking uh you could say this this doesn't mean that you're endorsing something else no that's this is another thing that i that i never understand when talking about these things right it doesn't mean that because again I can be critical of my parents, but that doesn't mean that I want them dead or I want different parents, right? Well, no, I think that's right, but uh, I think I needed to bring it up because maybe some listeners, because I know a lot of people in general are like that. Like, the idea is if I critique this, this must mean that I am therefore endorsing its opposite, as you were saying earlier. I'm I'm hoping that it was clear before when we said, and I said, like, look, obviously you're terrified because if you think in opposites, right? If you always have a duality in your head, just capitalism or communism, for example, again, especially in this form that's been in this historical forms and so on and so on, of course you get terrified if the moment I say capitalism is bad. Because if you can think it's only in dichotomies, then you say, well, but wait a minute, the other side was terrible too, even worse, right? Mm-hmm. Why actually the other side didn't bring any movement that we were describing with this engine? It was a pure bureaucratic state, blah, 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 blah. And of course, you don't have to think in... I know you don't. I'm saying this to... No, no, I know. I know. You're just saying one. Uh, In in general, uh, there is no need to think in dualities. There is no endorsement. uh, Because what I I was thinking when you said you don't see these things happening uh, separately 
in concrete reality, let's call it, um, the first thing I think of is the idea that since it's integration, since the integration of something like a capitalist system or a quasi-pre-capitalist system or something, uh, demi, that's the word I was looking for, uh, material wealth and, and living conditions like skyrocketed, right? Like if you look at the history of, of material wealth in the world, you know, it's like a hockey stick. Oh, absolutely. It's pretty crazy. Absolutely. And so that in itself is obviously not a measure of the good life because we're saying, you know, material goods don't manifest in mental health, right? And the technology is a good example and yeah. work and all that good stuff is not good. Um, but it certainly counts for something, I, I would think. Absolutely. Look, absolutely. And, uh, but the point is, uh, well, whenever, whenever I think of those things, I see that the moment this happens, what happens also is that then all the other things that we're talking about come with it. Again, I'm not denying the positive stuff that we were talking about. What I'm saying is, hey, let's not forget that this comes at a cost. And the cost is the power thirst and the advertisement and, quite frankly, the entire situation in which we, are, which we are in right now from a societal perspective. Going back some episodes, right, when we we're talking about aesthetics and uh, the fact that, you know, we have some difficulty distinguishing from, uh, I mean, saying that we are unable almost to say that a, a work of art, whatever it is, cannot be distinguished from its author because the moment the author does something bad now we're at the point that if you're a bad agent right mm -hmm, if you're mm -hmm. a horrible person then anything that you do is bad right right and i think that this is also embedded in that idea right this inability almost to distinguish uh how can we say the work from 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 the artist from the worker it's also characteristic of that because we are all we we are valuing and, and why why is it that and the fact that we want those things banned, uh, this, this piece of art banned, is, has to do with monetary value, right? We said this in that episode. The real issue that we have is people profiting from it. And this seems to be the only thing that counts. Hmm. And this seems to be, again, I think capitalism works because of that. Hmm. What I'm because thinking... the exploits are greed. So I think, yeah, I think that's what I was saying earlier about, like, given whatever, you know, the card, you know, what is it, uh, what's it, the equinox, yeah. the planets all align, right, and everything works perfectly. But the thing I'm thinking is, I'm wondering if the things you're bringing up, because to me, they seem more like problems with, with humans innately. Like, what, mm -hmm. I, what I'm wondering is, these things are there regardless and they can manifest in different ways depending on the, the systems. And when I mm -hmm. say people, I mean these could be psychological conditions, as I said, but also maybe certain presuppositions about like metaphysical basics. Like the thing mm -hmm. you just said about, you know, to make or not make the distinction between an author and a work or, or a worker yeah. and a product. Um, this has all these different consequences so so maybe this is more so a discussion about really basic metaphysical and epistemological issues and the uh, things they bring with it rather than an economic issue um 
so I think we're we're looking at the same issue from two different perspectives here. Because mm-hmm. I would say that those things that you're discussing, epistemological, ontological, whatever we're gonna call it, psychological, uh, the space for thinking of these things in a specific way, right? It's carved by the system in which we live. Mm-hmm. It is impossible to think epistemologically completely in, in a in a way that's not allowed that's not allowed by the social conditions that are given to you. You can say only specific things and not others because again, we have decided, again, more or less, uh, that those are things that you're allowed to say, right? To be considered a good epistemologist. Otherwise you otherwise we're in crazy town, right? If you start right, talking about right. different things. Uh, and this is true about everything. And I think that on a different level, maybe, but still with the same mechanism, within the society in which we live, which is a capitalistic society, we have carved a space to think of this in a specific way. And it's very hard to think of these things differently. Mm. And sometimes when you do, either you're, lo- you're a lunatic, right? Or you're a dissident or you're somebody who doesn't appreciate things. So there's a lot of labels that can be attached to you the moment you disobey the norm. True. So to speak. And I think that, again, those conditions that you're describing, even the psychological ones, are carved just by the system in which we live. Hmm. And again, this doesn't... This doesn't mean that we need to throw it away. This means that we need to be... um, conscious and careful of the way we think about this yeah okay so i agree with that right you're saying these really basic things like the system Mm -hmm. is the thing that shapes everything within the system of course right i mean this is even the conversation about the content is only ever presented through the form so undoubtedly undoubtedly whatever system exists is going to carve the space to use your language uh which reinforces and punishes other behavior so totally agreed um i would even go so far as to say i agree that there's a reciprocal relationship between things where like yeah maybe there's the underlying conditions and they influence the system but then the system then re-influences the underlying psychological and there's this circle so i'm willing to say that too absolutely um I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to parse out the exact point where we agree or di- maybe agree and maybe disagree, but I'm wondering if we can maybe shift the conversation away from the uh, political economic stuff to mm-hmm. more based at like what do we think, what assumptions, what philosophical assumptions um, made by the system do we think are problematic and responsible for this hyper-focus on productivity for the sake of it? Maybe that's a good question. Okay. Uh, which one are the, are the ones? I don't know. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, what are the, what, which underlying <laughs> conditions are we most concerned with? Is it, is it the idea that humans are seen as a, you know, the the creative animal or the working animal should we not view human nature in that way does this ultimately have something to do with 
like social hierarchies? Does this have something to do with mental health? Does it have something to do with? So There's so much the first, here. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is what's worrisome is the complete identification with between um, living a life that's worth living and producing, right? Okay. And by producing, I mean making money. Okay, so the connection between value and productivity. Value and economic value. And economic value, okay. I want to say that that is one of the reasons. One is very worrisome to me. Hmm. On one side, right? On the other side, you have also the problem that there is, um, when you think of, of all sorts of positions... And again, not, oh, jumping from, again, this is from an individual perspective, right? Okay. I think that this is dangerous because uh, whenever you are somewhat uh, identifying the eudaimonia, right? Living the good life with economic value, that's problematic for a million reasons. Uh, we can get into that if you want. Uh, and then there is the societal issue, right? As a whole, I also believe that there are other issues uh, and it is the identification of work uh, as the almost the only important thing that there is, that it exists. And the creation of uh, positions, quote unquote, uh, in the workforce at any level that simply exist for the sake of work, quote unquote. Yes. Okay. I'm thinking of of positions like um, all sorts of white collar middle management positions. Mm -hmm. uh, it is not uncommon for uh, a hospital, for example, to have less doctors than administrators, or a university or college. I was about or I was about to say, yeah. or we know very well, for example, in our case, right. We have less tenure professors than professional administrators. And I love my administrators, by the way, but <laughs> uh, but yet sometimes you wonder, why do we have the, all these positions? I mean, it's like office space, right? This is the joke. Yeah, and it's like, I, and sometimes I always, I always joke that, and I ask these questions even to, to the chair of the department sometimes, right? To just to poke at them. I'm like, what exactly do you guys do? Because I don't think you guys know what you do either. Uh, but the point being, there are some, in a societal level, I think we have inflated the value of work just for the sake of work. Agreed. Uh, which means that it is completely disconnected now from this from this travel towards progress that we're talking about individually and societally. Right? Work is not anymore this thing that can bring you value of any sort. Mm -hmm. It has become just this thing that has value in itself. And this is dangerous and problematic. And it's attached to this hyper or hypo uh, thing that we were talking about in the, in the previous episode, right? Yes. And on an individual level, it is also problematic, this idea that all that matters is my value is given by the monetary value attached by my, you know, by, by my bank account. We value people depending on how big is their bank account. Okay, so maybe uh, 
I'm trying to think of uh I'm just thinking metaphorically here. Like like some kind of analogy that mm-hmm. states what you're saying in a way that I also see eye to eye with you on. So like let's say you have talk about it's gonna sound weird. Talk about mold growth, right? Let's say you okay. have some item, right? Like it's a food mm-hmm. item or it's some kind of item. The idea is that there is no mold in that thing intrinsically, right? By definition. Okay. However, the conditions in which it is found are very mm-hmm. conducive to mold growth. Okay. And practically speaking, uh, mold is going to grow because there's nothing in the environment that's stopping it from growing. Okay. Again, by definition. Okay. So if that's what you mean, mm-hmm. um, when you talk about hyper-productivity and capitalism, uh, it seems like I agree with that. That seems to make okay. sense, right? There's nothing uh, there by definition that's causing it, nor anything mm-hmm. there by definition to stop it. Therefore, certain things could happen in the environment in the same way. I will agree with the analogy that you're making in the metaphor mm-hmm. only if we add one thing. Okay, what's the one thing? That mold doesn't grow on everything. Mold can only grow on specific things. Mm-hmm. So already the item needs to have in itself the, the potentiality. Okay, the condition for develop, the possibility of it. To develop the mold. Sure. Okay, and I'm on board with that. And I will add, I will push a little bit further to say that this item is very prone to get moldy. Yeah. Okay. If there's not regular upkeep, I'll be with you there. <laughs> I'll be with you there. Um, and nobody's been doing the upkeep for the past 300 <laughs> years. So. We just hire these people. They don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, that that seems reasonable. I think I think uh, I would I would agree with that. And and because I think there's two issues here with as with everything else. There's the issue of like the is and the ought, right? And so mm-hmm. right now, just to be clear, we're st- we're just talking about the is, correct? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Okay. We haven't even touched the ought yet. No, no, that's another <laughs> eight episodes. <laughs> no, but yes, we're talking the way things are, right? Uh, but do you, I think are we in agreement with the fact that we have this over abundance of this work for the sake of work stuff and that value the value seems to be attached so much to work and specifically productivity yeah i think i'm thinking uh actually of nietzsche i'm thinking mm-hmm. of something he says in the towards the beginning of the gay science the name of the passage is something like loss of dignity mm-hmm. um and i'm also thinking actually of heidegger's distinction and i think we talked about this in another episode between uh, meditative thinking and calculative thinking. And so the yeah, idea right. is that people are just going from point A to point B, always thinking of the calculative aspects of it. So like, what is going to result from this? What could I do to make this thing happen? What could I do to be, mm-hmm. to produce this result and to have whatever. And so when you're thinking in this way, you don't leave any room for, not that, which is an obvious thing to say, but that's kind of a big deal because if that's all 
if that's the only muscles you're working, your other muscles are rotting. Yeah. Right? And you don't have the room to grow as an individual in any sense other than in that one aspect. Yeah. So, so that's definitely not good. And maybe th this is kind of pointing towards an odd and sorry if this is premature, but it seems like we should reinforce, uh, meditative thinking and try to convey the, the importance of this. Right. And this is like what we do by definition is people who teach philosophy. Right. Absolutely. But aside from this little niche in, of which we are part, again, I'm wondering if, and I'm sorry to go back to the same issue. No, I'm fine. wondering if the system in where we, where we live allows for that. I think it's not coincidental that philosophy department are being wiped out throughout universities. I do agree the with philosophy, you. Yes. That philosophy is becoming this nuance and annoying thing, right? Uh, and the fact that philosophy is, you know, that we need to move on from there. And then we need to think of just data-driven social sciences. And the philosophy is uh, redundant and so on. I think that all this is given by the fact that the, the system where we live is, car is taking out the space for, for exactly what you want to happen. And that I want to happen too. Yeah, I agree. And to make an even more general statement, the idea of administration that's not directly connected to teaching mm -hmm. like it doesn't work it seems like there's certain things um, that don't work in a kind of in the same way that other businesses work right it's like absolutely it if you want a quality education um, and by quality education what does that mean right we talk about this all the time <laughs> Um, you mean something like there's space for the experts in the field to really flourish uh, and to succeed in making students think both systematically and outside the box and to be creative and to be even something like vulnerable when you talk to someone really being honest. So if that's mm -hmm. what you mean, uh, yeah, that doesn't work <laughs> in the other model because what you're concerned with is trying to make the most amount of money possible by doing the least amount of things possible and to kind of Absolutely. like cover your ass legally, right? So clearly mm -hmm. your priorities are different. So I 100% agree with you um, that not all models work in different sectors. And, uh, and again, that's not just us. Think of hospitals, right? If the same thing is happening, right? If I'm cutting physicians to add middle management to cover my ass mm -hmm. again, then what's what's the result, right? The, the, the it becomes just a for-profit uh, institution, right? Uh, I I honestly again you can think of it anywhere, right? You you're kind of taking away the people that are doing the job, they're doing the work, they're, they're the experts, just to just to be to substitute them with uh, with these people no. that again jokingly aside they don't know what they're doing, they have no idea. Mm -hmm what their job is. Yes. Again, it's work for the sake of work. And what's the value there, right? What's the value for society? Why are we doing this? Why? Because it seems like, again, I refuse to think in terms of the elite imposing onto someone else. Uh, I don't, I am, I refuse to believe in the, this omnipotence of the 1% mm -hmm. uh, or the omnipotence of 
the academic elite. These two things don't work. Okay. These two things, they're not the cause of all evils in the world. We are part of this system, and unless you speak up, you're complicit to the system, one way or another. And I think that we're being very comfortable uh, going along with this system up to now, just because of what you described before of this, you know, hockey stick uh, graph that goes when you look at, you know, wealth and safety also and uh, life ex expectancy. We can add more and more of these mm -hmm. things and technological advancement and whatever we want to add to. But because of that, we'll be willing to forfeit everything else mm. because we think that money and the way the system works uh, is the way to preserve those things. And there's no other way around. And we need to give up all the rest. And that's the only thing that, that counts. And I think that you can see this. I think this is what uh, partially uh, goes with the, some of the conversation that we've been having. I think this is why, for example, this distinction between just living for the sake of living and living meaningfully, right? Yeah. If I stay home all the time, not to get sick from anything, right? Yes, I'm living, I'm maximizing this thing, just like, you know, I'm, I'm making money, I am feeding this system. But then, is that really living? Is that really yeah, what, living what was the, uh, the Agamben term that he used? Uh, God. Is it the, the bear naked life, life versus bear life, bear life? You know, quality life or something like that. Yeah, bear life. Bear no, I'm I'm with you, and I think so. I think that that's an important answer in the discussion is that work is not an issue because work, in some sense, is essential to your well-being, mm -hmm. um, in having self-esteem, uh, and in feeling power over your own life right things like that but once yeah. it becomes work for the sake of work once bureaucracy happens and I, I think that's what we can call bureaucracy right work for the sake of work that is where the issue is and and this kind of relates to what i was saying in the beginning the very very beginning of the first episode where it was like there's a difference between someone working as we said an artist or a teacher or even someone i don't know in the military or something where you're hands-on doing something uh versus yes. feeling just kind of like a a, a cog in this self-perpetuating wheel right yes and the sad thing for me is that when you become a cog in this machine you start think you might start thinking that you're indispensable because you are making the machine work, right? Hmm. It's like you're sacrificing... I've met some individuals who are like, yes, I might be sacrificing... You might think that my work is irrelevant, but then if I stop doing this, the entire thing will crumble and the system will go, you know, will go bad because I'm not doing these things anymore. And I think that we are scared of that as a society. We think that those things are now necessary. I mean, there's this idea, oh, uh, I'll make an example. Uh, I don't know, if in a school there's no dean, we need to hire the dean right what away. What because, yeah. Because without the dean, we're screwed, right? And then if you point out, well, but we haven't had, uh, I don't know, an anthropology professor for the past 10 years, <laughs> oh, that's okay. 
Yeah. And so the thing is, we are so scared. But again, in our microcosm, that might be again, that might be silly, right? But think of what happens in, you know, when we look, uh, when we step back and look at the entire system system, where we live. What does that mean? That means that we're scared if some middle ma management position is not filled, if somebody is, you know, is missing, or if somebody says, wait, wait a minute, what do you mean we need to rethink the role of, I don't know, the firefighters in, the, in our society? They need to do something different. Maybe we don't need firefighters mm -hmm. and, and so on. The moment somebody says, well, maybe we can do without and we can have, I don't know, somebody else do that. Well, then we all go nuts because we're like, wait a minute, no, 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 we shouldn't, we shouldn't do that. That's necessary. It needs to be there. And this is assuming the firefighters are bureaucrats, so, bureaucrats there, but not the case, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a normative claim, I think. Okay. Um. Or something that is going to indirectly lead to an normative claim, but I think that technology is more and I don't want to say that's such a because on the one hand I hate when people say that because it's like oh technology dude like you ever see Black Mirror and everyone th just thinks they're smart or something like that no I mean I mean seriously the fact that people are connected but not connected but connected in this weird way really mm -hmm. that's like that's not just the difference in scale from the previous epoch it's a difference in kind okay and so you know, I don't think there's a problem if you go to work and you know what? You're not even particularly creative. However, you're doing something. You're coming home to your family. You feel like I'm supporting them uh, to create this life for us. And now we have a good life yeah. and we can do these things. And I feel like I'm productive and I feel important and I feel um, good overall, like I'm flourishing. Because you have time to, to relax, right? You're, you're, this yeah. goes back to what we were saying before. You're, you're mentally not there all the time. You could leave yeah. work. Yeah. But as soon as you turn the page and the next chapter is like, well, what if I told you now you never leave work? Of course, that's going to have these, these big ramifications, right? Now it's like you don't come home and spend time with your family. You don't unwind yeah. and, and take time to think about other things in a meditative fashion or to read or to do a hobby or to do anything. So I think this kind of, let's call it quasi connective technology uh, is playing a huge role. And for me, I think this might ultimately be uh, more important than the system because I think the the lack of the quasi-connective technology yeah. can act as a limit on the bad things the system could result in. Okay. Um, yeah, I can see what you're saying. Um, the Again, the pushback that I have for this is who created this quasi-connective? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I admit that that's a, a weak point, and I, I think there needs to be some kind of step in to be like this also, is not healthy for people. Yeah, yeah, and I and I'll and and again, there's there are two different things, right? The first question of one might ask is who benefits from that? Definitely not the people, right? Right. right. Uh, 
but some whoever is profiting from this, and again, and we go back to, to the profit aspect of it. But then there is the other issue, which is uh, technology and connectivity in itself is not inherently bad. It doesn't have to, uh, you know, devolve almost in, in what we're describing, which is the way we are right now, right? It has the potential to become this uh, revolutionary way of being with people, right? This technology, in theory, and this should have, this is what, what the Greeks thought of it at the end of the day, might have been a good way to work less, right? To have more time mm -hmm. to be connected. Technically, right? That's what it yes, is. Yes. Uh, but instead, we have channeled it and we, have, we, are, we are using it to do the opposite, to work more. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, and I think this is this is this is it's puzzling to me that this is not evident to people. I I was having a conversation the other day, and I was saying, and I again, I have no hard evidence to say this, but I am one hundred percent convinced. One of those beliefs that are ingrained almost, right? I was saying, with this whole pandemic thing, right? I think that we had decided to take the measures that we have taken i.e. close the school, close certain places of work, all these things, right? That we had done. We had done only because we have at our disposal this technology. Mm -hmm. If this technology didn't exist, we would have gone into work, we would have gone into school, nothing has changed. Nothing would have changed from the way we have handled pandemics before, which is we still do what we got to do, right? And... However you want to look at it, if you're one of those people that say, yeah, exactly, we shouldn't have closed anything because there was no reasons to do that. Well, you can see that technology in this case is playing this huge role in our life and is conditioning almost the way in which we we are. It's it's incredible, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you are a person that's really concerned by the virus, the same thing, you can say, well, you know what? Technology is this tool that can help us do things differently. Right, and independently from the from the perspective that you adhere to, you can see here how the same tool can be used to do things. Because again, we can say that it's right or wrong to to keep on going um, one direction or another with this with this pandemic. But the point is, one of the ways is possibly not correct, <laughs> um, and but the te technology can be used both ways, and I think it's. The case here, technology could have been used to work less, could have been used to enhance meaningful time spent together. But we haven't done this. Hmm. And I think that we are responsible for it partially, but also I think it was very difficult for us to think of it differently because of the way the system allows us to think. And I think so the thing you're saying about how, you know, using your phone or whatever. Because I think that's ultimately what we're talking about, right? It's like computers, but your phone. Yeah. Um, the reason why this has such a big, such plays such a big role in the way we communicate with each other to something as big as public policy, to something as big as the definition of what it means to be a human is because it, it changes your attention structure. And I'm thinking of this uh, 
this concept that uh, Steven Pinker talks about of availability heuristics. And the idea is there's this thing called conceivability, right? And then, and then, and then we make certain beliefs about the world based on the level of conceivability of something. Now, the more you hear about something, the more you see people talk about something, the easier it becomes for you to imagine that this thing is true. Because, hey, I'm seeing yeah. it all the time and people are saying it and it's, all, it's everywhere. Why not? Um, conversely, the less you're hearing about something, the less you see something pop up in your attention, the harder it is for you to imagine. So the more likely you are to deny that thing or say that that thing must not be the case. And this is all regardless of statistics, regardless of yeah, yeah, yeah. actual research, regardless of logical argumentation. Purely anecdotal. Purely anecdotal, right? So because people have this tendency um, to agree with what many people are saying and with what they can easily imagine, and then the opposite... Uh, we find ourselves in a bad position because of things like phones, because you're constantly seeing some things that are presented through you on social media or through the news mm -hmm. or through someone in a text message. And this is literally changing the way you make decisions about things and form beliefs about the world. So yeah. here's one way that technologically, psychologically exploits us. Uh, that's not good. And this is the number one Thing that comes to my mind and i'm wondering if you see something similar Absolutely. or something even different I'll, I'll go a step forward and i'll say that this is literally changing the way we think yeah yeah no absolutely i think that our our connection in our brain are becoming different and almost to the point that there's a couple of uh theorists that think this way one is uh berardi franco Bardis, this italian uh philosopher Another is a, uh, is a German-Korean philosopher. His, name, his last name is Han. And they both say the same thing, that we are dealing now with a new kind of human, literally, mm -hmm. where it's almost impossible to reconciliate the way somebody like me or even you think and the way 18-year-old, 20-year-old think. And not because they don't want to listen. It's not the usual generational thing, right? But it's like they... Uh, the fact that these two things are not they cannot be measured together almost right they are completely on a different level we think so differently that it's impossible to see eye to eye because it's like a different kind of thing it's it's literally a different kind of thinking it's like trying to trying to reason with uh, I don't know with somebody who, who lived like I don't know 2000 years ago right life is so different and the way of thinking is so different that's you cannot reconciliate that, no matter what you do, right? Yeah, and, it, and if that gets bad enough, this is like that article you sent me about reading and deep thinking. It's like, at some point, there's going to be a loss, not only in, you know, the muscle of you to be able to conceptualize in a certain way, but your ability, your complete ability to conceptualize a certain kind of thing. And if that ever yeah, happens, true. then that's like, you can't explain color to a blind person, right? You can't explain sound to a deaf person, and it becomes exactly. like that. It's it's like you're gonna need a new ontology, pretty much. Yes. Oh, you're that's need, crazy. Wow. You, you're gonna need a new thing to 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 understand certain uh, certain concepts. Uh, is 
it's important, so to speak, to uh, I think to, to see how these things are connected because and how deeply it impacts, how deeply it impacts uh, our life, our life and uh, our. And again, it seems, uh, the, especially how we influence the intergenerational life mm. in our society. Yeah. Because when you have a, a group of people to completely break from the rest, right? That's when you have problems, usually. That's when things go, go south uh, very easily. And I think that, uh, that this, this, this group becomes more intolerant, usually. Uh, becomes uh, the search for purity mm -hmm. uh, is, is more prominent prominent in these situations and paradoxically the the bureaucratic machine grows more and more mm. in this situation yeah because i think that the two things go together the search for absolute purity and standardization uh usually go together and work becomes just this tool for the sake of work you need to perform your your function like check off and these boxes exactly well instead creativity which is supposed to be the main characteristic of work, even for somebody like Marx, right? Uh, creativity, or even for Chomsky, right? Mm. <laughs> uh, These people will say, yeah, creativity is the main, the main thing. Uh, gets relegated to, to be almost, uh, you know, uh, how can we call it? You, you're a dissident if, you, if you're creative, right? But a real one. one can, they can go to jail for it in this kind of societies. Think again. Uh, I'm sure you. If you have thoughts that are not aligned, uh, maybe you don't go to jail. We go back to the to, to, to the freedom of speech episode. Maybe you don't go to jail, but you can still be shamed and destroyed. Mm -hmm. As I, I you know, press as a the human being. That, uh, I press the button and I and I cancel you as a human. Exactly. Exactly. You can be completely. And you, your life can be in shambles because you you don't think the right way, and I think this has this is to do with the things that we're talking about. These this things are connected. So at the end of the day, I think what we've accomplished here is to say that work plays an an important role in human life, uh, for better or for worse. Yeah. And on the one hand, it exists as a or can exist rather as a creative outlet that can really make you flourish as a human being and make, make you healthy, right? Let's say like psychologically and, all, and socially and all these other good things. Um, but if you think about it in the wrong way and to too great of an extent in this wrong way, then you're in a position that, I don't know, maybe it's even worse than, 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 than the other one. I'm not exactly sure. And so the idea is, you know, we want to avoid this work for the sake of work and, what we've been doing is trying to look for the, the the road signs. Like, what are the things that can lead to these kinds of things, right? And so we, we talked about technology and we've talked about economics. And at the end of the day, mm -hmm. we have to look towards the properties of the system that encourage this kind of way of being that is antithetical to what philosophers would call the good life. Um, that's step one. And I, and I guess step two, which we didn't like get to right because that was the joke um <laughs> see if because that's a question right there's no guarantee that that 
we could make things better, but if we can make things better and how that, that would happen. So we don't wind up in this world where we just feel like I'm constantly uh, on as a robot or, or a cog in a machine, as we said. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, if, if I want to, uh, if I had to recap uh, from my side, I want to say that I agree with you. We had not really discovered, but we had confirmed that. <laughs> that that's true. This isn't is, a revolutionary, I guess. Uh, work is definitely valuable for our life as individuals and for our lives as uh, our life as a society as a whole, so to speak, right? But it's so valuable. That's like what the Greeks call pharmacon, right? Mm. It is something that's very important because taken in the right dosage can make you healthy and can make you, you know, can give you all the tools that you need to live the good life. If not all, a good chunk of the tools to live the good life. But if you take the wrong dosage, either it doesn't do anything for you, it's just wasting time, right? Or you die because it's poisonous if you take too much. So work is kind of like a pharma concert, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I think that's the conclusion to which that we have reached. And I, and I think that uh, tuning this pharmacon, tuning this, this, this thing that we, that we need to take one way or another, uh, finding the right dosage of that, uh, it's, it's pretty hard. Uh, it's, it's a pretty hard thing to do. And I, and I would say that it is also uh, interesting, it would be interesting to f- try to find out why our society has gone in the direction of taking too much of this, of this pharmacon. Mm. What's, what is the intimate reason why have we, have we gone that direction rather than another one? Why haven't we used all these things to, towards the good life? Right, what are the underlying reasons? It's always, always good to talk about. So I think we've done enough for today, right? Yep, it's good. Good enough. Okay, and we'll see you guys around. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.